Section 7 of The Elements of Botany. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio, InterfaceAudio.com. The Elements of Botany by Asa Gray. Section 7 stems bear leaves at definite points and these are produced in a great variety of forms and subserve various uses the commonest kind of leaf which therefore may be taken as the type or pattern is an expanded green body by means of which the plant exposes to the air and light the matters which it imbibes exhales certain portions and assimilates the residue into vegetable matter for its nourishment and growth. But the fact is already familiar, that leaves occur under other forms, and serve for other uses. For the storage of food already assimilated, as in thickened seed leaves and bulb scales, for covering, as in bud scales, and still other uses are to be pointed out. Indeed, sometimes they are of no service to the plant, being reduced to mere scales or rudiments, such as those on the rootstocks of peppermint, or the tubers of Jerusalem artichoke. These may be said to be of service only to the botanist in explaining to him the plan upon which a plant is constructed. Accordingly, just as a rootstock or a tuber or a tendril is a kind of stem, so a bud scale or a bulb scale or a cotyledon or a petal of a flower is a kind of leaf even in respect to ordinary leaves it is natural to use the word either in a wider or in a narrower sense as when in one sense we say that a leaf consists of blade and petiole or leaf stalk and in another sense say that a leaf is petioled or that the leaf of hepatica is three-lobed the connection should make it plain whether by leaf we mean leaf blade only or the blade with any other parts it may have and the student will readily understand that by leaf in its largest or morphological sense the botanist means the organ which occupies the place of a leaf whatever be its form or its function leaves as foliage this is tautological for foliage is simply leaves. But it is very convenient to speak of typical leaves or those which serve the plant for assimilation, as foliage leaves or ordinary leaves. These may first be considered. The parts of a leaf. The ordinary leaf, complete in its parts, consists of blade, footstalk, or petiole, and a pair of stipules. First, the blade or lamina, which is the essential part of ordinary leaves, that is, of such as serve the purpose of foliage. In structure, it consists of a softer part, the green pulp, called parenchyma, which is traversed and supported by a fibrous frame, the parts of which are called ribs or veins, on account of a certain likeness and arrangement to the veins of animals. The whole surface is covered by a transparent skin the epidermis, not unlike that which covers the surface of all fresh shoots. Note that the leaf blade expands horizontally, 
that is, normally presents its faces one to the sky, the other to the ground, or when the leaf is erect, the upper face looks toward the stem that bears it, the lower face away from it. Whenever this is not the case, there is something to be explained. The framework consists of wood, a fibrous and tough material which runs from the stem through the leaf stalk, when there is one in the form of parallel threads or bundles of fibers, and in the blade these spread out in a horizontal direction to form the ribs and veins of the leaf. The stout main branches of the framework are called the ribs. When there is only one, or a middle one decidedly larger than the rest, it is called the mid-rib. The smaller divisions are termed veins, and their still smaller subdivisions veinlets. The latter subdivide again and again, until they become so fine that they are invisible to the naked eye. The fibers of which they are composed are hollow, forming tubes by which the sap is brought into the leaves and carried to every part. Venation is the name of the mode of veining, that is, of the way in which the veins are distributed in the blade. This is of two principal kinds, namely the parallel veined and the netted veined. In netted veined, also called reticulated leaves, the veins branch off from the main rib or ribs, divide into finer and finer veinlets, and the branches unite with each other to form meshes of network. That is, they anastomose, as anatomists say, of the veins and arteries of the body. The quince leaf shows this kind of veining in a leaf with a single rib. The maple, basswood, plain, or buttonwood shows it in leaves of several ribs. In parallel veined leaves, the whole framework consists of slender ribs or veins, which run parallel with each other, or nearly so, from the base to the point of the leaf, not dividing and subdividing, nor forming meshes, except by minute cross veinlets. The leaf of any grass, or that of the lily of the valley, will furnish a good illustration. Such parallel veins Linnaeus called nerves, and parallel veined leaves are still commonly called nerved leaves, while those of the other kind are said to be veined, terms which it is convenient to use, although these nerves and veins are all the same thing, and have no likeness to the nerves and little to the veins of animals. Nettle-veined leaves belong to plants which have a pair of seed leaves or cotyledons, such as the maple, beech, and the like, while parallel-veined or nerved leaves belong to plants with one cotyledon or true seed leaf, such as the iris and Indian corn. So that a mere glance at the leaves generally tells what the structure of the embryo is, and refers the plant to one or the other of these two grand classes, which is a great convenience. For when plants differ from each other in some one important respect, they usually differ correspondingly in other respects also. Parallel veined leaves are of two sorts, one kind and the commonest, having the ribs or nerves all running from the base to the point of the leaf, as in the examples already given while in another kind they run from a midrib to the margin, 
as in the common pickerel weed of our ponds in the banana in kala and many similar plants of warm climates netted veined leaves are also of two sorts as in the examples already referred to in one case the veins all rise from a single rib the midrib such leaves are called feather veined or penny veined or pinnately veined both terms meaning the same thing namely that the veins are arranged on the sides of the rib like the plume of a feather on each side of the shaft in the other case the veins branch off from three five seven or nine ribs which spread from the top of the leaf stalk and run through the blade like the toes of a web-footed bird hence these are said to be palmately or digitately veined or since the ribs diverge like rays from a center radiate veined since the general outline of leaves accords with the framework or skeleton it is plain that feather veined or penny veined leaves will incline to elongated shapes or at least to be longer than broad while in radiate veined leaves more rounded forms are to be expected a glance at the following figures shows this forms of leaves as to general outline it is necessary to give names to the principal shapes and to define them rather precisely since they afford easy marks for distinguishing species the same terms are used for all other flattened parts as well such as petals so that they make up a great part of the descriptive language of botany it will be a good exercise for young students to look up leaves answering to these names and definitions beginning with the narrower and proceeding to the broadest forms a leaf is said to be linear when narrow several times longer than wide and of the same breadth throughout lanceolate or lance shaped when conspicuously longer than wide and tapering upwards or both upwards and downwards oblong when nearly twice or thrice as long as broad elliptical is oblong with a flowing outline the two ends alike in width oval is the same as broadly elliptical or elliptical with the breadth considerably more than half the length ovate when the outline is like a section of a hen's egg lengthwise the broader end downward orbicular or rotund circular in outline or nearly so a leaf which tapers toward the base instead of topward the apex may be oblanceolate when of the lance-shaped form only more tapering toward the base than in the opposite direction spatulate when more rounded above but tapering thence to a narrow base like an old-fashioned spatula obovate or inversely ovate that is ovate with the narrower end down cuneate or cuneiform that is wedge-shaped broad above and tapering by nearly straight lines to an acute angle at the base as to the base its shape characterizes several forms such as chordate or heart-shaped when a leaf of an ovate form or something like it 
has the outline of its rounded base turned in forming a notch or sinus where the stalk is attached reniform or kidney shape like the last only rounder and broader than long auriculate or eared having a pair of small and blunt projections or ears at the base as in one species of magnolia sagittate or arrow shaped where such ears are acute and turned downwards while the main body of the blade tapers upwards to a point as in the common sagittaria or arrowhead and in the arrow-leaved polygonum hastate or halberd shaped when such lobes at the base point outwards giving the shape of the halberd of the olden time as in another polygonum peltate or shield shaped is the name applied to a curious modification of the leaf commonly of a rounded form where the footstalk is attached to the lower surface instead of the base and therefore is naturally likened to a shield borne by the outstretched arm the common water shield the nelumbium and the white water lily and also the mandrake exhibit this sort of leaf on comparing the shield-shaped leaf of the common marsh pennywort with that of another common species is at once seen that a shield-shaped leaf is like a kidney shape or other rounded leaf with the margins at the base brought together and united as to the apex the following terms express the principal variations acuminate pointed or taper pointed when the summit is more or less prolonged into a narrowed or tapering point acute ending in an acute angle or not prolonged point obtuse with a blunt or rounded apex truncate with the end as if cut off square retuse with rounded summit slightly indented forming a very shallow notch emarginate or notched indented at the end more decidedly obgradate that is inversely heart-shaped where an obovate leaf is more deeply notched at the end as in white clover and wood sorrel so as to resemble a cordate leaf inverted cuspidate tipped with a sharp and rigid point mucronate adroitly tipped with a small and short point like a mere projection of the midrib aristate on pointed and bristle pointed are terms used when this mucronate point is extended into a longer bristle form or slender appendage the first six of these terms can be applied to the lower as well as to the upper end of a leaf or other organ the others belong to the apex only as to degree and nature of division there is first of all the difference between simple leaves those in which the blade is of one piece however much of it may be cut up and compound leaves those in which the blade consists of two or more separate pieces upon a common leaf stalk or support yet between these two kinds every intermediate gradation is to be met with as to particular outlines of simple leaves 
and the same applies to their separate parts, they are entire, when their general outline is completely filled out, so that the margin is an even line, without teeth or notches. Serrate, or sawtooth, when the margin only is cut into sharp teeth, like those of a saw, and pointing forwards. Dentate, or toothed, when such teeth point outwards instead of forwards. Crenate, or scallop, when the teeth are broad and rounded. Repand, undulate, or wavy, when the margin of the leaf forms a wavy line, bending slightly inwards and outwards in succession. Sinuate, when the margin is more strongly sinuous or turned inwards and outwards. Incised, cut, or jagged, when the margin is cut into sharp, deep, and irregular teeth or incisions. Lobed, when deeply cut, then the pieces are in a general way called lobes. The number of the lobes is briefly expressed by the phrase two-lobed, three-lobed, five-lobed, many-lobed, etc., as the case may be. When the depth and character of the lobing needs to be more particularly specified, the following terms are employed. Lobed, in a special sense, when the incisions do not extend deeper than about halfway between the margin and the center of the blade, if so far, and are more or less rounded, as in the leaves of the post oak and the hepatica. Cleft, when the incisions extend halfway down or more, and especially when they are sharp. And the phrases two cleft, or in the Latin form, bifid, three cleft, or trifid, four cleft, or quadrifid, five cleft, or sancafid, etc., or many cleft, in the Latin form, multifid, express the number of the segments or portions. Parted, when the incisions are still deeper, but yet do not quite reach to the mid-rib or the base of the blade, and the terms two-parted, three-parted, etc., express the number of such divisions. Divided, when the incisions extend quite to the mid-rib, as in the lower part, or to the leaf stalk, which really makes the leaf compound. Here, using the Latin form, the leaf is said to be bisected, trisected, according to the number of the divisions. The mode of lobing or division corresponds to that of the veining, whether pinnately veined or palmately veined. In the former, the notches or incisions or sinuses coming between the principal veins or ribs are directed toward the midrib. In the latter, they are directed toward the apex of the petiole, as the figures show. So degree and mode of division may be tersely expressed in brief phrases. Thus, in the four upper figures of pinnately veined leaves, the first is said to be pinnately lobed, in the special sense, the second pinnately cleft, or pinnatifid, in Latin form, the third pinnately parted, the fourth pinnately divided, or pinnatisected. Correspondingly, in the lower row of palmately veined leaves, the first is palmately lobed, the second palmately cleft, the third palmately parted, the fourth palmately divided. 
or in other language of the same meaning but now less commonly employed they are said to be digitally lobed cleft parted or divided the number of the divisions or lobes may come into the phrase thus in the four last named figures the leaves are respectively palmately three-lobed three-cleft or trifid three-parted three-divided or better in latin form trisected and so for higher numbers as five-lobed five-cleft etc up to many-lobed many-cleft or multifid etc the same mode of expression may be used for pinnately lobed leaves as pinnately seven-lobed cleft parted etc the divisions lobes etc may themselves be entire without teeth or notches or serrate or otherwise toothed or incised or lobed cleft parted etc in the latter cases making it twice pinnatifid twice palmately or pinnately lobed parted or divided leaves etc from these illustrations one will perceive how the botanist in two or three words may describe any one of the almost endlessly diversified shapes of leaves so as to give a clear and definite idea of it compound leaves a compound leaf is one which has its blade in entirely separate parts each usually with a stalklet of its own and the stalklet is often joined or articulated with the main leaf stalk just as this is jointed with the stem when this is the case there is no doubt that the leaf is compound but when the pieces have no stalklets they are not jointed with the main leaf stalk it may be considered either as a divided simple leaf or a compound leaf according to the circumstances this is a matter of names where all intermediate forms may be expected while the pieces or projecting parts of a simple leaf blade are called lobes or in deeply cut leaves etc segments or divisions the separate pieces or blades of a compound leaf are called leaflets compound leaves are of two principal kinds namely the pinnate and the palmate answering to the two modes of veining in reticulated leaves and to the two sorts of lobed or divided leaves pinnate leaves are those in which the leaflets are arranged on the sides of a main leaf stalk they answer to the feather veined example pinnately veined simple leaf as will be seen at once on comparing the forms the leaflets of the former answer to the lobes or subdivisions of the latter and the continuation of the petiole along which the leaflets are arranged answers to the midrib of the simple leaf three sorts of pinnate leaves are here given figure 156 is pinnate with an odd or end leaflet as in the common locust and the ash figure 157 is pinnate with a tendril at the end in place of the odd leaflet as in the vetches and the pea figure 158 is evenly or abruptly pinnate as in the honey locust palmate also named digitate leaves are those in which the leaflets are all borne on the tip of the leaf stalk as in the lupin the common clover the virginia creeper and the horse chestnut and buckeye 
they evidently answer to the radiate veined or palmately veined simple leaf that is the clover leaf of three leaflets is the same as a palmately three-ribbed leaf cut into three separate leaflets and such a simple five-lobed leaf as that of the sugar maple if more cut so as to separate the parts would produce a palmate leaf of five leaflets like that of the horse chestnut or buckeye either sort of compound may have any number of leaflets yet palmate leaves cannot well have a great many since they are all crowded together on the end of the main leaf stalk some lupins have nine or eleven the horse chestnut has seven the sweet buckeye more commonly five the clover three a pinnate leaf often has only seven or five leaflets or only three as in beams of the genus phaseolus etc in some rarer cases only two in the orange and the lemon and also in the common barberry there is only one the joint at the place where the leaflet is united with the petiole distinguishes this last case from a simple leaf in other species of these genera the lateral leaflets also are present the leaflets of a compound leaf may be either entire or serrate or lobed cleft parted etc in fact may present all the variations of simple leaves and the same terms equally apply to them when the division is carried so far as to separate what would be one leaflet into two three or several the leaf becomes doubly or twice compound either pinnately or palmately as the case may be for example while the clustered leaves of the honey locust are simply pinnate that is once pinnate those on new shoots are bipinnate or twice pinnate when these leaflets are again divided in the same way the leaf becomes thrice pinnate or tripinnate as in many acacias the first divisions are called pinnae the others pinnules and the last or little blades themselves leaflets so the palmate leaf if again compounded in the same way becomes twice palmate or as we say when the divisions are in threes twice ternate in latin form biternate if a third time compounded thrice ternate or triternate but if the division goes still further or if the degree is variable we simply say that the leaf is decompound either palmately or pinnately decompound as the case may be thus figure 161 represents a four times ternately compound in other words a ternately decompound leaf of a common meadow rue when the botanist in describing leaves wishes to express the number of the leaflets he may use terms like these unifoliolate for a compound leaf of a single leaflet from the latin unum one and foliolum leaflet bifoliolate of two leaflets from the latin bis twice and foliolum leaflet trifoliolate or ternate of three leaflets as the clover and so on palmately bifoliolate trifoliolate quadrifoliolate plurifoliolate of several leaflets etc or else pinnately bi tri quadri or plurifoliolate that is of two three four 
five or several leaflets as the case may be these are terse ways of denoting in single phrases both the number of leaflets and the kind of compounding of foliage leaves having certain peculiarities in structure the following may be noted perfoliate leaves in these the stem that bears them seems to run through the blade of the leaf more or less above its base a common bellwort uvularia perfoliata is a similar illustration the lower and earlier leaves show it distinctly later the plant is apt to produce some leaves merely clasping the stem by the sessile and heart-shaped base and the latest may be merely sessile so the series explains the peculiarity in the formation of the leaf the bases meeting around the stem grow together there conate perfoliate such are the upper leaves of true honeysuckles here of the opposite and sessile leaves some pairs especially the uppermost in the course of their formation unite around the stem which thus seems to run through the disc formed by their union equitant leaves while ordinary leaves spread horizontally and present one face to the sky and the other to the earth there are some that present their tip to the sky and their faces right and left to the horizon among these are the equitant leaves of the iris or flower de luce inspection shows that each leaf was formed as if folded together lengthwise so that what would be the upper surface is within and all grown together except next the bottom where each leaf covers the next younger one it was from their straddling over each other like a man on horseback as is seen in the cross section that linnaeus with his lively fancy called these equitant leaves leaves with no distinction of petiole and blade the leaves of iris just mentioned show one form of this the flat but narrow leaves of jonquils daffodils and the cylindrical leaf of onions are other instances needle-shaped leaves like those of the pine larch and spruce and the awl-shaped as well as the scale-shaped leaves of junipers red cedar and arbor vitae are examples phylodia sometimes an expanded petiole takes the place of the blade as in numerous new holland acacias some of which are now common in greenhouses such counterfeit blades are called phylodia meaning leaf-like bodies they may be known from true blades by their standing edgewise their margins being directed upwards and downwards while in true blades the faces look upwards and downwards except in equitant leaves as already explained falsely vertical leaves these are apparent exceptions to the rule the blade standing edgewise instead of flatwise to the stem but this position comes by a twist of the stalk or the base of the blade such leaves present the two faces about equally to the light the compass plant Sylphium laciniatum is an example so also the leaves of boltonia or wild lettuce and of a vast number of australian myrtaceous shrubs and trees which much resemble the phylodia of the acacias of the same country they are familiar in calistemon the bottle brush flower and the eucalyptus but in the latter the leaves of the young tree have the normal structure and position
platophylla, meaning branch leaves, the foliage of Ruscus, the butcher's broom of Europe, and of Myrsiphilum of South Africa, cultivated for decoration under the false name of Smilax, is peculiar and puzzling. If these blades are really leaves, they are most anomalous in occupying the axil of another leaf, reduced to a little scale. Yet they have an upper and lower face, as leaves should, although they soon twist so as to stand more or less edgewise. If there are branches which have assumed exactly the form and office of leaves, they are equally extraordinary in not making any further development. But in Ruscus, flowers are born on one face, in the axle of a little scale, and this would seem to settle that they are branches. In asparagus, just the same things as to position are thread-shaped and branch-like. End of section 7. Recorded by Lawrence Trask. Mount Vernon, Ohio. InterfaceAudio.com.